Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the, Lord, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. On the sixth Sunday of Easter, as we slowly begin our transition back into the ordinary time of the church's liturgical life, as we begin to wind down the Easter season, the church offers us in the Gospel a passage from our Lord's discourse at the Last Supper. This was the last lengthy discussion he would have with his disciples before his passion. A question comes to mind in that discourse, in the preparation, in the apostles' preparation to endure the passion along with him. And if we're honest, in our own preparation to celebrate the ascension, and this is the question. Why does Jesus, after his resurrection, spend 40 days with his disciples, then ascend into heaven, send down the Holy Spirit, but nonetheless physically disappear from sight? To put it more bluntly, if through his passion, death, and resurrection, Christ has won the victory over sin and death, which we all believe... Why does he now seem to leave us, leave us, his followers, to endure 2,000 years of life in this world that seems to remain marred by violence, sin, pain, and death? Why not just wrap everything up then? Why wait all this time? Now, it's always dangerous for any preacher to attempt to get into the mind of God, to try to figure out why God does what he does, and then to proclaim some answer. On this point especially, since earlier that same night before the Passion, our Lord told the disciples, if you loved me, you would actually rejoice that I am going to the Father. But we're fortunate this morning because the question we ask now this morning is something we ask towards the end of a weeks-long celebration of the Lord's victory over sin and death, is actually the very same question the apostles were putting to the Lord on the night before he was handed over to death. Lord, where are you going? Can we follow you? How, how can we follow you if we do not know the way? But the Lord reminds them that it's not yet time for them. 
or for us, to follow him to the Father. But we will follow later, he says. It's this concern that the apostles have for living without him that prompts Jesus to remind them, I will not leave you orphans, and to promise them the coming of another advocate, another one who will walk by our side, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Later that same night, in that same speech, he will actually say to the apostles that it is better that he should go. It is better for them if he should go. It's better for us. Why would Jesus say it's better for him to leave? That's better for us to have the Holy Spirit. Because it seems from a human, purely human perspective, it's not. Quite obviously it's not. I think we'd rather have him here. But 2,000 years of salvation history, seen through the eyes of faith, provide us something of an answer. Jesus' public ministry was only three years. At the end of that time, he told the apostles at the Last Supper, during this same discourse, I have many more things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now and the Spirit will lead you into all truth. But this truth that he's talking about is not just about facts. We haven't been living through a 2,000-year after-school session. It's not just about data. It's about the truth that the Spirit wants to bring, the truth of God's love for humanity, all of humanity. That's because the Holy Spirit is that love. The Holy Spirit is the love between Father and Son, which we now participate in through Jesus Christ. And love is something that has to be nourished and cultivated. It, it can't be forced. So Jesus, God made man, had only three years in a very circumscribed, limited area in the Middle East to proclaim this love. And so he ascends into heaven to send the Holy Spirit in order to bring his followers, to bring you and me, to live in the heart of the love that he has for his father and his father has for him and that they have for us. The Holy Spirit thus empowers us to know that love and to live in that love and to preach that love, not just in a little area, but in fact to the ends of the earth, to all of humanity. We can now see that it is indeed better that Jesus' ministry was not limited to three years and this small group of people who lived only 2,000 years ago, but it's been passed on from one generation to the next to the ends of the earth by his followers. In his humility, and it's strange to speak about God and humility, but bear with me here. In his humility, God not only became one of us, he also deigned and willed to make us co-workers with him in his great work of saving the world. What this means ultimately for you and me is that this life is not something that we're simply meant to endure. It's not something we're simply meant to get through or to survive as, sort, as, as though this life is a sort of layover on our way to our final destination. Yes, we are passing pilgrims in this world, and our priorities in this life should reflect, however, the very hope that St. Peter speaks about in his letter this morning, 
the hope that one day we will live eternally with God. But what we do in this life, in this time that we're given, in how we live, in what we say, what we do, and what we don't do, all matters. Everything has eternal significance. To live in the Holy Spirit is to live in the love of God. And the Lord tells us in today's gospel, to live in his love is to keep his commandments, and in keeping his commandments, his promises are more and more revealed to us. Living in his love, we find that though he may not appear physically to us, he nonetheless remains with us in a, in a way that's in fact more deep than simply physical presence. It's a sacramental presence and a spiritual union because he reveals himself to those whom he loves and is one with them. The Eucharist, of course, is called the sacrament of love. And it's by the power of the same Holy Spirit called down upon this altar that the supreme revelation of Christ's presence is made manifest. And so, yes, had Christ wrapped everything up in a nice bow 2,000 years ago, had he swept his followers up with him into heaven when he ascended, called all the nations to judgment at that time, there would have been no wars, no abortions, no plagues, no violence, no suffering, no sin. But also, there would have been no St. Paul, no St. Augustine, no St. Dominic, no St. Francis, no St. Clare, no St. Charles Borromeo, no St. Teresa of Calcutta, no St. John Paul the Great. There would have been no opportunity for us to grow in the love of God and of one another, which is what this life is really about. Christ has won the war over sin and death. The end of that story has already been written. The horrors of sin and death are therefore seen in that light, that they're just skirmishes in the larger story, footnotes to salvation. It's living through those difficulties, those weaknesses and sins which we all face, that empowered by the Holy Spirit, nourished on the Eucharist, that we find ourselves in spite of everything, actually growing closer to Jesus Christ, growing more and more in love, step by step, day by day. The story of history, then, is not a story of how much sin and suffering there is or has been, but rather it's the story of God's triumph in us, in the church, in his people, in spite of all of that, and even because of all of that. It's the story of Christ's Easter victory once and for all, the story of God's beautiful design, how, how it works out in the lives of his faithful, a design that works out against all odds to bring us, each of us, to holiness. It's the fact, known in faith, that in this life we're never left alone, that we're, in fact, never orphans.